I appreciate everybody coming out and braving the weather. Thank you, brother. appreciate that so much. I really have, um, was surprised nobody's asked what the place on my head and my, my face is all about, but uh, I thought I would wait till I got up here to, uh, to explain it anyway. No, I did not get in a fight. Uh, n- not, unless you count, not unless you count the street being a, uh, an opponent. Uh, but I have this little dog, and he has a tendency to want to run away when he gets out sometime. So he got out in the front yard. I was trying to corral him and bring him back to the house. And, of course, I have my hands full of Christmas stuff that we're trying to, to, to put out in the yard. And as I'm trying to herd him back to the garage, and I'm leaned over trying to do this with all my hands caught up, I tripped over a... Uh, a, a space in the in the street that was raised about that much above the rest of the street, and I play, face planted. Now the last time my face looked like this, I was dirt biking. I wasn't even on a bike this time. I just fell over. So anyway, uh, it made me feel like an old man. And and I but I did happen to think that probably my salvation's okay because the only thing that I said when Trish says, "Are you all right?" I said, no, I'm not. I mean, you know, so that's got to be good for something, right? But I do, I will have to admit this. I did think while I was laying on the ground, if I could get up, I'd shoot him. (laughs) But I couldn't get up, so he didn't get shot. So that's what that's all about. Rather than explain to everyone what happened, I'll do it all at one time. That's what happened. But I I appreciate everybody being here. It's a good day. Uh, The Lord is with us. You know, and, and... um, I had a, a, a PowerPoint to give to you, uh, Ike, but the Lord's moving on me a little bit different here. So uh, I want you to just bear with me today. You know, I said I felt like an old man when I fell down. And, and I kind of want to speak to you from an old man's heart this morning. And I'll ask you to be patient with me because I feel emotions in me today that the Lord put in here. And I don't know why that He did it. Looking at the crowd, it's like, okay, why do I have what I have, but I have what I have? 1954, I was six years old. We lived in a little place called Cookville, Texas. And I know you've heard Brother Sam talk about Red Oak and, and how small Red Oak was. Listen, Red Oak was a metropolis compared to Cookville. I mean, we're talking about not even a stop sign in Cookville. I mean, it was, you know, that was it. There was a a grocery store and a church. And what I want to talk about is that church this morning. I will will tell you this, that the school system in Cookville was pretty amazing. We had our entire second grade in one room. The whole town's second grade was in one room. As a matter of fact, the whole town's first grade was in the same room. So you're talking about, you're looking at really country a really long time ago. (laughs) But that's the way it was. First and second grade was together. Third and fourth was together. And fifth and sixth were together. And that was our school. So you can kind of get an idea of how big Cookville was and, and still is for that matter. But in Cookville, there was this little church. And we went to church there, and it was uh, it was 
one of these old-timey Holy Ghost, you know, you, you Sunday night. I mean, Sunday mornings were okay, but on Sunday nights, that th- that's when things really start happening. And I can remember so many times, six years old, of course, you have to understand this is uh, an older church, didn't have inside toilet facilities, we had to go outside. And, and as a, a child, I can remember going out sometime on Sunday nights, and there would be people standing outside on Sunday nights in warm weather in particular. And the windows would be raised, and the screens on the windows, you could hear everything that was going on in the church. And I would go out to go to the back to the restrooms, and there would be these people, these men mostly, standing around outside at the windows waiting for their families to get out of church. Now, they were standing there. They were hearing the very same sermons as the people on the inside. They were seeing the very same miracles as the people on the inside. They sang the songs. I I would go out and I would just be amazed because there would be these guys standing out in the windows and they would be singing along with the song service, you know. But they were on the outside looking in. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. How sad it seemed to me at six years old for these people to be on the outside looking in. You know, we all want to be accepted by peers. We all, we all want to be a part of, of the life that we live, the, the group that we're in. And, and these people were outside. They were almost getting the same thing, but the difference was there was no commitment there. And I'd like to talk this morning about outside looking in. And I'm not sure exactly why that I've got what I have here. But I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to let the Lord make His determination on this. Sadly, if these people that were outside this building, all the sermons that they heard, and I know they must have heard hundreds of sermons over the years. Matter of fact, in that one year, I know they heard... At least 50 because these people were out there every Sunday night. So they would be outside and they would be hearing the same thing. And yet sadly, if the Lord had called them home at that time, they would have been lost. And why would they have been lost? They heard the same sermons as the people on the inside. They knew the songs they knew the scripture. You, they would go to the barber shop and argue Bible with the barber. But they wouldn't go inside the church. And it was a sad thing for me to see because my dad was one of them. I can remember asking my dad, Dad, why don't you come inside? I mean, you're listening to the sermon anyway. Why don't you come inside and be with the rest of the family? No, I, I don't want to go in there with all those people. You know, I, I don't want to make that commitment. And, and for many years, my dad was on the outside looking in. Now, thankfully, when I was a senior in high school, my dad received the Lord in his life, and he went to heaven because he was born again. But had he met the Lord before that day, having known all the sermons, heard all the words, sang all the songs, he would have been lost. And why is that true? Because number one, morality is not enough. 
You know, we've all known good people. We've known people that, that you know, that live down on the corner. And, and, you know, they're the kind of people that you say, you know, if anybody gets to heaven, oh, Mr. Jones is going to do it. Or if anybody gets to glory, oh, oh Sister Susie, she's just a sweetheart. She's going to be there. But that really may not be the case. Because if you're not born again, if you haven't made that commitment that, that you understand that your morality is not good enough, then, then you may be very mistaken. And I don't know uh, where you are today in, in your life sitting in this room. There may be people sitting in this room right now that's basically on the outside looking in. That you've been and you've listened to all the sermons. You know all the words to all the songs. That you can argue Bible if, if, at the barber shop if you wanted to. But have you really yet made that commitment and say, Lord, come into this life? Because morality is not enough. As a matter of fact, the scripture tells us that we can never earn it with our own salvation. That in Mark, the 10th chapter, there's an example of this. There was a rich young ruler who stopped the Lord and he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Because only God is good. Now that tells you something right there that if, if Jesus himself says that only God is good, my goodness, we just talked about it in Sunday circles this morning, my righteousness just won't cut it. I don't have any. My righteousness is as filthy rags. But Jesus said, he said, but nevertheless, I'll answer your question. He said, you know what the Ten Commandments say. You know that, that you, you don't do murder, you don't steal, you don't covet. And the rich young ruler says, well, I've done all of these things all of my life. And the scripture says that Jesus just, his love went out to him, that he loved him is what, what the Bible says. And he said, but you've got to do one other thing. You need to go and sell all that you have and you give it to the poor and then come follow me. And the Bible tells us that the young man went away sad because he had great riches. Now, it was okay as long as he thought, you know, I'm a pretty good guy. I've done all these things all my life, and I've obeyed the commandments. But it wasn't about obeying commandments. We talked about this morning. Uh, once again, we got all over this in the Sunday circles this morning about obeying commandments. The commandments were only to show that our righteousness and our goodness is never good enough. That we have to obey through the love of Christ. And the scripture says, Jesus is very specific. He said, sell what you have and follow me. There's that commitment. That's exactly what my dad said all those years ago. I don't want to make that commitment. And all those people that were standing on the outside, you know, down deep, you know they wanted to be born again. You know they wanted to be part of the group. You know they didn't want to be on the outside looking in because they were there. They were absorbing what was going on on the inside but they didn't want to make the commitment. And the commitment is necessary because, listen, if my goodness was good enough to get me to heaven, then God the Father sent Jesus His Son to a cruel and unnecessary death. Isn't that true? If, I, if just being good would, would be enough, Jesus didn't have to die. But when in the Old Testament they had sacrifice. And every year they had to, to continue to make sacrifice. What was that about? Because there had to be blood atonement. 
that their goodness was never good enough, that only a blood atonement would be, their sins would be forgiven because of that. So when Jesus came, he came for one reason, and that was to make the final, ultimate blood atonement that you and I don't have to try to be good in our own selves because we can't do it. It's not in us. The people that were in, in, in Egypt, they didn't have to worry about it. If they broke the rules, they knew immediately and severely what the, the consequences of breaking rules in, in Egypt was all about. They knew what was going to happen. But if, when they left Egypt and went into the desert, that's when we get the Ten Commandments, when Moses went up on the mountain in the wilderness and he came down with the Ten Commandments. That's where we get the law. Because all of a sudden they had this newfound freedom. But human nature is just not... We, know we just don't follow rules very well. If you look at it, we, we, you know, we tend to break the rules. I, you know, I've always been kind of a, a rule follower in my life, but I'll be honest with you, I've broken a few, a few of them. And, and, you know, that's just the way we are. But when they left and found this newfound freedom, all of a sudden they started getting a little bit, we can do just pretty much what we want to do, but you can't. You know, we can't do what we want to do. Humans can't do what we want to do because we always want the wrong things. We were talking about being in the vine this, this morning and, and being attached to that vine and, and being fruitful because we're attached to the vine. And that's the only way that goodness can come from me is if I live in the vine and he abides in me. So being moral is not enough. There had to be sacrifice. And although that, that salvation is free, there are a few things that we have to do to obtain salvation. Why am I teaching salvation this morning? Don't know. And the thing is, I really don't care because I know that that's what God wants. So, first thing we have to do is confess that we're sinners. Romans 3.23, this is the old Roman road. I've done something this morning I've never done before. And this is in kind of a, a getting in unity with some of the younger guys. I've got all of my scriptures from the New Living Testament. It's new for me. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. You know, and, and that, that, that does it. We've all fallen short. And even Jesus made the statement of the rich young ruler. said, you know, no one's good. Only God is good. And that kind of narrows the field right there. We confess, we realize that we're sinners. We confess that we're sinners. And then secondly, we have to believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. No one can come to the Father except through me. That means I can never be good enough. I can never figure out another way. That there's never been anybody found a formula, ever, that can bypass the blood of Jesus, never. Those people that were standing outside that church, looking in the windows, they couldn't bypass the blood of Jesus. And I know, especially knowing one of them was my dad, I know that he wanted to, to be a godly man. I know that he wanted to be born again. He just didn't have that, that ability in him to make a commitment just yet. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take 
that confession, that acceptance that Jesus is the only way. And the scripture says in Acts 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe in the word, in the Lord Jesus. The word believe here is, uh, uh, means more than just accepting what I'm saying is fact. It actually means to do something about it. If you believe in the Lord Jesus, that means you make a change in your life. You do something different. You don't stand outside in the, in the windows listening any longer. If you believe in the Lord Jesus and you're saved, you do something about it. That's confession. That's acceptance that the Lord is the only way. And that's repentance. Now, repentance is kind of a, a unique word. Repentance means more than, than to be sorry for what you've done. It means to turn around and go in the opposite direction. To change your life. That's what those folks were unwilling to do. They were outside. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not willing to let someone come into my house that's never asked permission to come in my house. If they just decide they want to walk in your house, you know, I don't, that's invading my, my personal space. I don't want you to do that. The Lord doesn't want you to try to get into heaven without his permission because that's his. And you're not going to get in there and he's not going to let you in there because that belongs to him. That's his realm. That's his kingdom. And sin will not enter in that place. And if you're not born again, that's what you've got dragging along behind you. No matter how good a person that you think you may be, you're dragging that sin along behind you. Now, Secondly, morality is not enough. We want to talk about something else this morning, membership. Now, membership matters. Okay, here we go. We're going to talk about church membership, right? I know everybody gets nervous when you start trying to talk about church membership. But, you know, we're, we're not really against membership. Just take a drive out here on Interstate 10, go out to Sam's Club, and you see all the cars in the parking lot, every one of those people that's in those cars in Sam's parking lot, they're either a member or they're part of a family that's, that's a member. So we're not against memberships necessarily. Look at all the, the health spas all the way across the United States. Everybody wants to get healthy. You know, and every year, uh, all these people join up because, you know, we all make these New Year's resolutions. I want to get healthy. We're not against memberships. But it seems like people get nervous when you talk about church membership. Now, maybe it's because that we haven't explained it well enough. Maybe it's because that, that we're not making ourselves clear about church membership. In the scripture, when Paul talks about being a member, the word that he uses is more along the lines of a medical term, member, like a body part rather than just being an associate of Sam's clubs, you know. He's talking about, uh, in the scripture, a lot of people say, well, you know, Paul refers to the church like a body. No, he doesn't. Paul refers to the church as the body. He doesn't say like a body. He says we are the body. And that it's necessary for us to come together because we are a living, breathing, moving organism. And that's what we need to be doing because membership does matter. If you lose a finger or a toe, you know, it's not a pleasant thing. And I'll promise you that that finger or that toe will not continue doing what fingers and toes do 
if it's separated from your body. Now, what I'm saying there is so many times we have Lone Ranger Christians out there that say, you know, well, when I was born again, I was born again in, into the universal church or church universal. That, 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 that ought to be enough. Well, you know, when a baby is born, they're born into the universal world of humanity. But that's not enough. They need a family. And we as Christians, when we're born again into the kingdom of God, we need a family. We need a local family that we can be a part of, that we can, that we can love, that we can work with, that they can be our strength and we can be their strength. And I don't know how you feel about it, but, but church membership to me is important. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why it's important. Because Jesus himself established the church. You remember that? When he was sitting and he was talking with Peter and he was talking with, with uh, the disciples and he said, well, who do, do men say that I am? Well, you know, some say you're an apostle. Some say you're a prophet. And, and Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said this. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, he said, no man. Actually, he said, Simon. He said, no man has revealed this to you. Simon, of course, was his name first. That means read. He said, but, but my God in heaven or my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And then he changes and he says, and you are Peter. Which we all know by this time that the word means rock, right? And he, then he says something strange. And he said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now... I looked up those words where it called him Peter, and then it called him uh, the, the, talking about the rock. A lot of people believe that the church, that God, Jesus' church, God's church, was built on Peter. That's not true, although Peter is part of it. If you look, the words are very close, but when he says, you are Peter, is a different word than it says upon this rock. It's, a, it's very close, but it's a different word. One of them is a stone. Or a rock. That's what he called Peter. The other one is a foundation. So, uh, Peter, I know who you are. You know who I am. And on this foundation, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, I want to be a, a member of the church because Jesus himself established the church. That he was the one that brought it and put it in order. That, that it wasn't a man-made thing. It wasn't built on a man, but it was built on a foundation that we understand that He is the only way to our salvation. He recognizes us as we recognize Him. Secondly, it says that in the second chapter of Acts, as Peter was doing his preaching on the day of Pentecost, and they began to, begin to preach, and there was something like 3,000 people saved that day, and the Scripture goes on to say that they added to the church daily such as should be saved. No, it doesn't. It says the Lord added daily to the church, just such as should be saved. So don't think it was the people adding to the church. It was Jesus himself, the Lord, was adding those people to the church. Well, uh, you know, that was the universal church. Well, trust me, when it talks about in the New Testament, it talks about the church, it's talking about a local body. Very few times, very few in the New Testament, when you read the word church, does it ever imply that it's the universal church? It's always the local body. 
So it was important to Jesus. And if it's important to my Lord, it should be important to me, right? Another reason why that I think it should be important to us is the Scripture says that, that the church is, the, is the, uh, the bride of Christ, right? Now, I want you to like me, you know. But if you like me and you don't like my wife, we're probably not going to get along. Now, you can say you love Jesus all you want to, but if you don't like His church, I got a feeling He's probably not real happy with that. I mean, we had this, this love for our companion, and Jesus loves the church. He loves His bride. And if I love my wife enough to think, you know, if you, don't like, if you like me but you don't like my wife, we're probably not going to be friends, then Jesus may be the same way. You know, I, I don't want to try Him out. But membership's important to me. And membership matters because people need it. 1 Corinthians 12, 21 says, The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. But we all need each other. You know, I'm sure everybody in this room is aware of the medical situations that I've had in the past couple of years. And you can't believe how much it really lifts up a person as you're going, I'm, we're driving over to Houston and there'll be four or five texts come in praying for you today. Know that your procedure's coming up. You know, we're, we're praying for you now. People ask, when is your procedure? We'll be praying. And to know, to absolutely know that people are praying as you're going through your trials and your situations. Folks, you don't get that out there in the world. The world is worried about the world. But the body should be concerned with the body. We should be concerned with each other. If my, if my brother hurts, I should be hurting. If, if, we, if we lose a member, our, uh, one of our members goes somewhere else, and it's not because of being moved because of a job or something like that, that should be like that toe or that finger that's being severed. It should hurt the rest of the body. We should find out why that that severing has taken place. We need to be concerned with those that are around us. It's our responsibility to, to care. I mean, you know, it's my job to care about my body. And I, sometimes I throw it down on concrete. I understand. But, but it's my job to be concerned about this body. And so it, it's really our job to be concerned about the local body. Let's don't throw it down on the concrete if we, if we can get away with it, you know. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the body of Christ is ever young, unlike... This old body sometimes that uh, I, I, I lose control of now. I trip over my own feet sometimes. But we need to be concerned about taking care of one another. And lastly, talking about being in the body, the Scripture tells us that there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Proverbs, the 24th chapter, verse 6. And Ecclesiastes, the 4th chapter, verse 12 said a triple braided cord is not easily broken, which means if we're all working together, it's a whole lot harder for the enemy to overtake us and take us down. You know, because the Scripture, did, uh, Jesus said that, that when he built his church, that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Can anybody tell me what, what comes to your mind when you think about gates of hell? That's a defensive posture. And I looked it up, this particular word, gates, is like, um, it says that 
It's used in conjunction like a prison. That makes sense. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Folks, the church needs to break down the gates. We're not, we're not holding the fort. We need to break down the gates of hell. We need to reach out and get those people who are standing on the outside. We need to bring them on the inside. And we've got people in our local church that have been attending services, born into the, to the family of God, born into the church universal, that's still not members. And I think it's time that, that we understand that it's necessary for us to be members of a, a local body. And finally, one other way that we can be found on the outside looking in, and that's in ministry to the lost. The one thing that, the last thing that Jesus told us before he went back to the Father, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. You know what I think would be sadder than when I was six years old watching these men look in the windows of the church would be to the thought of my loved ones and friends and neighbors looking into heaven at all the, the joy and the happiness and the glory that's going to be there and they would be on the outside looking in. And the only way that we can prevent that is to begin to do what we're supposed to do in that great commission is to make disciples of those people. You know, I, I, I just... My heart this morning was, and I've, I've had kind of a tough time getting through this because of emotions. But I can remember coming home and hearing that my dad had accepted the Lord as his personal Savior. And um, I can remember flashing back to those nights when he was on the outside looking in. And I thought, thank God, thank you, Lord, that he didn't stay on the outside looking in, that he finally got on the inside. My dad became a member of a local church. He began to be active, and I just appreciate God so much for that. And if you're here today, and any part of this has hit home with you, I want to give everyone here an opportunity if you've been on the outside looking in and you think it's been far too long, it has. Any time at all on the outside is far too long. I'd like you to stand with me if you would. I'll give you this opportunity. If you would, just bow your head. If you've been hanging around the church thinking that you're being pretty good and that everything's okay, please examine your heart and make sure it is okay by knowing that repentance is necessary, that confession is necessary. If you've been hanging around the church, born again, and you haven't become a member yet, I'd like you to consider right now to make that commitment. Yes, it's a commitment. It is. But you know, Jesus was pretty committed when he came here to this earth 
Scripture says that he prayed to the Father to let the cup pass from him. But he said, nevertheless, thy will be done. He was committed. And if you've got loved ones, family, friends, neighbors, acquaintances, co-workers, that this morning that you know are on the outside looking in, I want you to think about those people just for a moment. As we have our heads bowed, our eyes closed, if you know, or if you don't know, I should say, without a shadow of a doubt, that you're born again, I'd like you to slip your hand up. Just know that you've been born again. If you're here today and you're not a member of this local body and you've been receiving blessings from this local body, it's time for you to consider making a commitment to this local church. I'm going to pray with you right now. Father, I thank you, Lord, for these people that are gathered here in this house. Lord, it's a, not a nice day outside. But this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. And Father, I'm, I'm so grateful. Lord, I look at my own dad. He was one of those guys standing outside that building that realized and recognized his morality was not enough. That he was a sinner the same as the rest of us. That we all come short of your glory, O oh God. But Lord, we thank you so much. I thank you so much, O oh God, for that change in his life. Lord, and I know there must be people in this congregation, Lord, that has family, friends that are in the same position. Father, I just ask right now in the name of Jesus that that position of outside looking in is reversed in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just lift up those, Lord, that we think about right now as they cross our minds. And, and Lord, we know that they're lost. Lord, we lift them up to you right now, declaring, oh God, your mercy endures forever. That's what David said. We give you praise for all these things. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. encourage you guys is something that's been really on my heart is it's just to shift your mindset that, that church isn't a place uh, church isn't an event church isn't um, you know a place where I go to receive but it's it's a it's a body you know it's it's a family um, you know, the Bible says that all who are born again are, the, are, are adopted into God's family. And uh, so I just want to encourage you all to, to be praying about that and thinking about that, 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 that church isn't 
about receiving so much as it is in, in being a part of a body. And, and when I go to church, I don't think, I don't think, what am I going to get? But I think, what can I give? You know, how can I be a part of the body today? And uh, so I just want to encourage you guys to, to begin to shift to that mindset and, uh, and just have a great, blessed day. Uh, and, and God bless.